Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And I know we've talked about Animal Crossing for the past two episodes, but I've got a little more to say. So, sorry if that annoys you. But I finally had KK Slider come to my town. So, I feel like I've... I don't know. I feel like I've sort of gotten the full Animal Crossing experience at this point, and everything past this is just bonus. Where are you guys at with Animal Crossing? Uh, I dis—I I disagree with you saying that everything after this is bonus, because by the time you get KK Slider, you're pretty much at the starting point of every other game. Oh, okay, yeah. that's that's really exciting to hear then, because I yeah, I'd love more Animal Crossing. However, I have heard a little bit that this Animal Crossing, like. There's only, like, one thing after KK, and I can't imagine that that'll remain true. I imagine updates have to add buildings or something. Yeah. And I think that's generally the consensus, but we don't have any confirmation of that, so I'm a little worried. Yeah, and like we've mentioned before on the show, that this is my first Animal Crossing, so I'm constantly discovering new things. And I had something, I don't know, pretty traumatic happen to me yesterday playing the game. So... I always make sure to talk to each of my villagers and treat them right and be friendly to them. But then out of nowhere, my favorite villager, Marina, the octopus, uh, talks to me and she's like, hey, I'm thinking about leaving. Uh, oh, no. Something did about uh, growing into a better octopus. Did you uh, let whatever, her go? Whatever she said was really cute. But I, no, I essentially just begged her to stay and she said, OK, I'll stay. But then I felt bad because she clearly wanted to leave. But uh, uh, I was just wondering why. What have I done wrong? Oh, uh, not necessarily. If you, if you have a full town, eventually they'll just, you know, decide they want to leave, and you can either say yes or no. What do you guys usually do? Does it depend? It, yeah, it yes. depends. Like um, She was literally the, my favorite of the ten I have. Yeah, I definitely she... would have made her stay if she was my favorite. Uh, I had Astrid, which is a kangaroo, and uh, the I like her a little. If she asks again, I'll probably let her go. But the only time I made her stay this time was because, like, she just moved in. Like, I haven't even had a That's chance crazy. to get to know her yet. Yeah. Like, so she was I my always most thought, recent. I always thought that the villagers asking to move out was associated with, like, negative things. It can be, but it can also just happen at random. I see. Okay. So, yeah, I, I was pretty shook after that you, happened, yeah, honestly. Can, I'm not going to lie. You can encourage it to happen, but it will happen at random sometimes. Like, I talk to Astrid every day, and she asked if she could move, and I said no. And then I kind of <laughs> regretted it because one of my friends had a villager moving out that I really wanted to take. And uh, when a villager's in boxes in another town, if you go talk to them, they'll um, – if you talk to them a few times, they'll say they want to move to your town. In boxes? And, uh, you mean, like, if they're moving in? Moving out. Moving out, okay. Yeah, when they move out, they have a day in boxes as well. Interesting, okay. I mean, I'm sure, like, at least with one or two of my villagers, if they ask, I'll let them do it just to experience what that's like. Yeah, and also, but, like, like... Not not Marina, come on. Yeah, no, and part of the game is just getting to meet a bunch of new villagers and stuff, so... Yeah, I was wondering, like, the campsite hasn't been used ever since I ha had someone come in, like, after I first got the campsite. Yeah, I mean... Since then, it hasn't been used at all. Same. Which is That's unfortunate. Weird. Yeah, I guess it's it, only only for new villagers. Yeah, but it um, it doesn't like you can have a full town and still have somebody randomly show up at your campsite. It just isn't a constant thing. I see. Okay. Well, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely glad to hear that. After KK is essentially still the beginning of the game because I I still log in every day just to see what there is to do and I've got like projects in mind for like things I want to do to my village which obviously requires funds 
uh, which I'm pretty much solely re- relying on the stock market and turnips for money now. Uh, oh, really? So, so my day-to-day in Animal Crossing has definitely slowed down, but I- I'm definitely still engaged every day. I blew all my turnip money and didn't have much to invest this week. What'd you blow it on? House? Oh, uh, yeah, house upgrades. Yeah. I only have uh, two more loans to pay off. Nice. Yeah, at least I think so, based on the Nook Miles program thing. But Mike, yeah, that's that's probably well. Yeah, we'll check in on Mike. But yeah, I was gonna say, Mike, where are you at with Animal Crossing? Oh, I'm in the same boat that everyone else is in. I've finished up the town hall. I've had KK. It's all been passed, and everything now. It's okay. Terrifying. I'm still yeah. a three star town, which really kind of grinds my gears. Yeah, I'm wondering. Like, I I guess you just have to decorate every inch of that town for, for <laughs> yeah. the rating to go up. My friend's town and mine look really similar, in my opinion. My buddy Tyler, um, but his is a four-star and mine's a three-star. And I don't know what the difference is. Maybe you're is. on the cusp of four-star. Yeah, I've got to be. But... My friend told me, like, he really didn't even do anything but plant a bunch of flowers, and he got to three stars that way. Like, he did literally did nothing else. Yeah. So. I, I think there might be, like, a part to, like, the value. Like, with the Happy Home Academy... The more expensive stuff you put out in your house, or the more rare, the better your score is going to be sometimes. So one of the ways to cheese that is to just put a bunch of super rare items out. And I'm thinking it might be the same kind of for the uh, the town. Like, yeah. I don't have any, because I don't like the look of the like super rare stuff, really. The stuff I like is like the wooden swinging bench and stuff. How can you tell what's rare and what's not? I mean, it's just like how many resources it takes to build it is how I would okay. judge the, and, yeah. and the other way is just how much it costs. Like <laughs> if, if you're okay. buying it bills, how much it costs. Cause there are like a couple of items in the game that cost like over a million bills. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can't wait to discover those. Yeah. So there's like the combined like rarity, like you better hope you happen to have a million bells the day it shows up in the shop. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm staying. I'm staying pretty much on top of the stocks and stuff, and I've got friends who've uh, who've got some pretty uh, lucky days. So I've made quite a bit based off them. But um, yeah, I'm generally just keeping like a million, two million in my bank account at all times. That's smart because you can just multiply it. Yeah. But yeah, last week we started talking about some of these Nintendo rumors that have been going around. I say rumors, but they're pretty much confirmed at this point. Like, they've been independently reported by so many different sites. It's one of those rumors that is technically a rumor, but it is for See, sure I'm happening. Still, I'm still not sold on it happening, because it's just so crazy. Well, let's let's say what it is first. So, yeah. um, uh, Nintendo is reportedly this fall releasing uh, remasters of... Pretty much all of the 3D Marios, so that's Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy, uh, Super Mario 3D World. And I think, and, well, in addition to this, there's um, rumor that they're also going to release a new traditional Paper Mario this year. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, man. Yeah, and that really just puts it over the top as unbelievable. So, just, just, just to reflect on this a little bit, Paper Mario is one of my favorite things ever. Like the I played the I've beaten the original like at least over ten times I would say I played it so much as a kid, and Thousand Year Door built on that and was perfect in every way. And then all the Paper Mario games after that were kind of meh because they really stripped away some of the RPG mechanics I really liked. 
See, I loved Super Paper Mario, and that's the only one I've ever played. Although oh, I, wow. I watched um, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door, and I really liked that. I couldn't get into the first one. Uh, but, you know, turn-based combat just doesn't do it for me. Right. We've talked about that before. I loved watching the thousand year door like i thought the story was fun and goofy the world was amazing yeah the, ch- the paper mario games have a sort sort of charm that that really i don't think mario in any of its other forms captures like paper mario has a very unique charm yeah and- the gameplay in super paper mario was a little lacking but it was like less grating to me than turn-based combat is because yeah. it's it's just like smoother it's more like it just happens you don't there's no like you don't enter combat and then go to another screen and all that stuff that really bothers me. Yeah, so maybe the rumors of it being more traditional Paper Mario aren't exciting you too much, but that really pumps me up because I mean I'd absolutely prefer a traditional Paper Mario to the garbage they've been spitting out since Super Paper yeah. Mario, like the Sticker yeah. Star and the Color Splash. It, just because I know how much excitement that brings to people around me. Like I'll I'll watch a let's play of it or something. See like if this being true is on the same level of let's say Xbox announcing a new Banjo-Kazooie game. That's how big of a deal this is to me. Yeah. So wow. I hope with all my being, this is true. Um, I, I really, I really hope it's true. Cause I want um, the Mario remasters. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a sec. This really is unprecedented. Like Mario has been the one franchise that Nintendo really hasn't been willing to go back and bring to newer consoles. Like there are some exceptions, like they did Mario 64 for DS, right? And they did Super Mario All-Stars. They brought all three of the originals, or four, I guess, to the Super NES. Yeah. And, like, more so than anything else, even, like, their other legendary franchises, like, even Zelda, they've started bringing forward to modern consoles, right? Like, the Wii U had Twilight Princess. They also uh, brought all the Mario games to the Game Boy Advance, all the 2D ones. Right, but I I think I'm more concerned with the 3D Marios. Yeah. uh, Right? Yeah. Because right. like I mean, that's those what it's about. have yeah. pretty much just been left untouched, and now to bring them all onto the Switch, if that's true, that's a huge deal. Especially because like I I believe wholeheartedly each and every single one of those games still holds up 100% today. And yeah, they've I, all aged incredibly well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still like to this day, I still fire up Super Mario Sunshine if I'm feeling beachy and Super Mario 64 just because all the time. Like, Yeah, but before we get into each of those games individually, I was just going to comment that I think this is especially good. One, because the Switch is Nintendo's hottest console in a while, and two, a lot of people who maybe were too young to experience those games or just, or, or, or just now becoming gamers are going to experience these phenomenal games for the first time so i think like that those that combination of things is really potent i think is really going to uh result in like mario blowing up even more so than it has yeah and i would love to just i don't know like i just wonder how much of a remaster it's gonna be right because like i think it's just going to be a resolution bump and they'll call it a day i don't think think they're gonna do too much i mean that's my gut feeling i i I hope i'm wrong i hope they do some more work They've never really done that before. Like, I mean, when they did the last Super Mario All-Stars, they redid the art for every game that they did, all the 2D games. Yeah, I don't know. That's, and when they well, did and, Super and Mario 64 DS, they redid all the assets. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, 64 assets on a Nintendo Switch would look, you know, pretty pretty dated visually. Obviously, the I mean, we've seen what that'll there, look but... like. We've, we've seen it in Mario Odyssey. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I. You mean you're talking about the skin, right? Yeah, the polygon skin. Yeah. yeah. And it looked okay. Like it wouldn't kill me to see that, but like the billboarding would be super obvious on the trees and uh, for for the those out of the know billboarding I mean, is when a two D sprite represents a three D object like a tree. And I those, mean, it, it would be okay for people like you and me who have a nostalgia for, for it, right? But like, I don't. I wonder how acceptable like that po- polygonal style of the N sixty four era is today to people who are just now getting into it for for, for the first time, you know. But just I, I would really love like Super Mario Odyssey level controls. Well, that's I don't know about that. But I I, I kind of don't want them to touch the gameplay at all. Like I think uh, I disagree 3D Mario had like a Super unique Mario Sunshine. <laughs> okay, so Super Mario Sunshine is the one I think I have least experience with. So maybe you could talk a little more on that. Yeah, the controls need, like, they're good. Like, I have no problem going back and playing Super Mario Sunshine. But there's just a couple of things with the camera. Like, basically, Nintendo, for a long time, was afraid to let anybody touch that second stick. They just didn't want you to do it. They didn't know what they wanted to use it for or anything. And Super Mario was originally, it was originally, it was called the C-stick for camera, right? Yeah, I know, and they didn't use it for that ever. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they just didn't use it hardly in Super Mario Sunshine. Like, the camera's just not good enough. And that's yeah. the big thing that they could fix. But also, like, the controls when you enter um, the hover nozzle with Flood are a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I really am struggling remembering too many de- details of Sunshine. I remember playing it and really liking it, but I didn't, like, rip through it like I did for 64, you know. I, I remember thinking that Flood was a little strange. Just, like, it was a weird mechanic, right? That kind oh, of yeah, deviated sure. from, from the traditional platforming that we were used to. Yeah, if, if but, I could like, change I think anything. it fit. I think yeah. it fit. I, I liked how it fit into, like, the, the getaway tropical beachy theme, right? But, like, aside from that, I thought it was a strange addition. Yeah, I mean, I get... I get where Nintendo's coming from. Like, you see it from Nintendo's perspective. You're following up Super Mario 64 here. Like, yeah, one of the greatest games of all time. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, like, well, I don't think we can do a better job, so we're going to have to do something different, right? <laughs> like the, the Majora's Mask mindset. Yeah, and I, I think they did a good job there. Like, Flood is fun at every point. The things about Super Mario Sunshine that bug me are the same thing that plagues most GameCube games. And that's that they clearly did not have enough time making them. Yeah, GameCube, like, so many GameCube games yeah, were rushed. I mean, and, like, Super Smash Bros. Melee comes to mind. There's still so many uh, clearly signs of unfinished work in that game. Yeah, and, like, Wind Waker and Sunshine both, like, have huge swaths. Wind Waker's of- missing, like, two dungeons. Yeah, and, and Mario Sunshine, I think there are, like, 34 or something uh shine sprites that you get by collecting blue coins that are just kind of sprinkled everywhere well they like, sort of continued that design philosophy going forward though right they did but it there's only like 80 some real shine sprites in in such if we want to be really technical that was kind of there in 64 as well they had like the red coins you collected well you have red coins as well in sunshine mm. and you also have 100 coin sprites they just added this blue coin thing to it and i don't hate the blue coins conceptually what i hate is that like 
you have to go into the right mission in each level. Like every blue coin is not available in every mission. Like sometimes just completely random. Like you can even get to the spot it would be, but you can't actually get it in this mission. So yeah. it's very difficult to collect them all without a guide, which I find annoying. I've, I've never done it. I also, there's the reward for getting all the shine sprites is actually pretty lackluster. So I've just never been compelled to do it. And additionally, isn't Mario Sunshine considered by most to be the most difficult of 3D Marios? I can't imagine that's true. Really? I mean, okay. it feels like it's super difficult compared to other 3D Marios. Yeah, the controls are a little weirder, but like Flood is so forgiving. Like, I I don't I, what the where the difficulty comes for that game. I don't think it comes from Flood. I, it comes from those levels where they suddenly take Flood away from you, and now you have yeah. to platform. Right. Yeah. yeah. That does make it hard. And especially, I think I was watching a Summoning Salt video, maybe. No, actually, this one wasn't Summoning Salt. Yeah, it's probably Average it Trey. Yes, I think so. It was average an Trey, extremely extensive uh, Super Mario Sunshine uh, speedrunning documentary. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. They were like, it, I, th- I found it fascinating that speedrunners, to this day, were still finding ways to shave off time um, in Sunshine. Another interesting thing about Sunshine is that it's totally linear, basically. Yeah, there are so few times that you can... Linear is maybe not the word. You Isn't there a hub world? Yeah, there is a hub world. It's Delfino Plaza. Right, right, right. But um, there are so few times that you can skip a Shine Sprite. Like, you can skip the second one in the game, I think, and that is maybe it. Like, other than that, you have to do every world, like, every Shine Sprite in that world in order. Yeah, and that's that's something I would kind of change because you know again there are a few places where you can actually get to the spot the shine sprite would be but you can't actually do it. But they also like they tell a story in Sunshine more so than they did in '64. Like every every right. shine sprite you go into, the world's a little bit different based on your actions in the previous, and that kind of justifies the 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 way they kick you out of levels after you get a shine sprite and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now just. Just, I just talking about it, talking about it more extensively, I can definitely see there. There's definitely an argument to be had about tweaking little things in each of these games. Like what just came to mind for me was Galaxy, right? Like Galaxy will definitely have to be tweaked because, like, before they had that gameplay mechanic with the pointer. Yeah, um, and you can use a detached Joy-Con or even a Joy-Con in the the little controller thing as a pointer. It has a gyroscope in it. You're just gonna have to constantly be uh, recentering it. Yeah. Which isn't the end of the world, in my opinion. Right. And I, I think that'll be... I, I'm excited. I think... Um, I don't know. I'm really torn between Sunshine and Galaxy being the ones that'll benefit most from the uh, the HD treatment. Because Galaxy, yeah. I've done it. I've put it on... Uh, uh, don't, don't call the cops on me, but I've emulated it on my PC. And you can actually Bluetooth a Wii Remote to your PC. Yeah. And I've just played it, you know, normal Wii Remote controls, but it... 1080p or 4k i can't remember and it looked stunning like yeah no i i definitely think from a visual perspective at least like the galaxy games look the most fantastic just graphically like still to this day i think they look gorgeous i agree galaxy one galaxy two dropped the ball aesthetically in my opinion so so let's talk about that for a sec because i think the rumors are all saying Galaxy 1, but not Galaxy 2. Are you guys seeing this too? Yeah, and I, I think that would be insane. Like, Yeah, I feel like those two have to come together, especially because yeah. Galaxy 2... Galaxy it, 2's it an was, amazing game. Because like Galaxy, Galaxy 1 was a 10 out of 10 game, 
And then Nintendo came out with Galaxy 2, which was also a 10 out of 10 game. Yeah. Like, that very rarely happens. And what's weird is they're 10 out of 10, in my opinion, for vastly different reasons. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure you could speak a little more to that. Just my personal history, I've put extensive time into Galaxy 1, but actually not too much time into Galaxy 2. So I would really enjoy a Galaxy uh, yeah. 2 remaster. Yeah, Galaxy 1, like, had this beautiful atmosphere and everything, and, like, all the, uh, not all, a lot of the galaxies actually felt like little self-contained worlds. Yeah. And they dropped that completely in Galaxy 2. They don't even bother. No, yeah, I remember seeing, like, the level selector, and I remember feeling extremely disappointed, because I really liked the, like, the world aspect. But the the level design. Like, like, Galaxy 2 and Super Mario 3D World are, like, same caliber level design. Like, yeah. Galaxy 2 might be a little higher. Like, the Galaxy 2 level design was fantastic, and the challenge was good, I think. I don't know. I, I don't think I ever finished Galaxy 2. I can't remember. But it. But that's because I'm compelled, like, I don't know. I like the little worlds. Like, I, I remember yeah, so, too. so many galaxies from Super Mario Galaxy 1 that I just don't remember a single one from Galaxy 2. Yeah. Like, the Good Egg Galaxy in Galaxy 1, the Beach Bowl Galaxy, the... um. Oh, I forget what it was called, but it was the hot and cold galaxy. <laughs> Shiver freeze galaxy. Mm-hmm. I just remember a ton of them because they were all like these little worlds with characters that lived there and stuff. Uh, Honey hive galaxy. That one's iconic. Yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on it and replay this because yeah. obviously my memories <laughs> faded quite a bit. Um, yeah, the, the only thing is I don't think... I mean, I guess they could use the touch screen, but these games are going to be weird to play uh, handheld. Uh, yeah, they'd have to make some design changes to make it work handheld for sure. Because the pointer is pretty critical, especially yeah. in Galaxy 2. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, for sure, like, I think Sunshine and 64 could, I mean, they made 64 work handheld before. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. Sunshine's only issue working handheld is the uh, flood, like, pressure-sensitive... The Joy-Cons don't have pressure-sensitive shoulder buttons, like the... Right, the GameCube GameCube. did. Yeah. And I hope they let you hook a GameCube controller up and use the (laughs) pressure-sensitive... I mean, most Switch games I've seen have supported GameCube controllers, so... Yeah, I, but a I'm lot of it, sure they, they support will. it just inherently because the Switch just reads the GameCube controller as a USB controller. Yeah. So uh, the ones where they'd actually have to go out of their way to do it, I'm a little worried about. But just thinking on the topic of pricing, I'm curious to think what Nintendo will do here because I'm afraid they'll price each of them. What if they make each of them $60? I wouldn't buy a single one. I mean, I, I think Nintendo holds Ms. Mario in, like, really, really high prestige, right? I, like, I think it's Mario far games more rarely likely. ever even go on sale. I think it's far more likely it's going to be a $60 package for all of them. Or maybe they package two of them together for $60. Packages of two. I'm just yeah, thinking that, through all I mean, different yeah. possibilities. Yeah, if they did a 64 and Sunshine package and a Galaxy 1 and 2 package, I'd probably buy both. Yeah. Yeah, me too, without question. But I, I honestly think they're going to do a Super Mario 3D All-Stars and do all four. I mean, that's been what the rumor is. I'm pretty sure from what I've read is that it's okay. all going to be one package. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the ideal scenario. And that, I mean, even if it's $80, so, like... Yeah, but, like, what makes me think, though, is, like... 
I don't want to put a tin, my tinfoil hat on, but like, I just have to wonder, do you think this was always part of the plan for this year? I, well, I can't, I, you can't pull it, even a remaster, you can't just pull out of your hat. Like, yeah, these games have been in true. development for a while, so I don't know what you're saying. Like, are you suggesting that the uh, pandemic had something to do with it? Like other games getting delayed? Or yeah, something? I mean, the, the pandemic's had an effect on several games that we know of already and several that we don't know of yet that will get announced in the coming weeks and months. But what I'm saying is that maybe Breath of the Wild 2 was scheduled um, for this year. And then, like, I think I almost feel like, th- yes, they had these Mario games incubating. But what if they had like a break in case of emergency, you know, button? And, like, if something happened, we could, you know, pour more resources into these Mario games and have them come out. I don't know. Just, yeah. just a thought. I Probably not true. If anybody was going to make, like, I could almost see Nintendo remastering Mario 64 as preparation for Mario Odyssey. And Mario 64 was already done before this even started. Yeah, and remember there used to, there were rumors that they had, like, all of Mario 64 and not Mario Odyssey and crazy stuff like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, and, like... If any company was going to do that, it's Nintendo. Like, if any company yeah. would remaster one of their games start to finish and just sit on it, it's Nintendo. Like, yeah. they've got the money. They've got, you know. So, on that front, maybe, but I, I'm i not a believer. I don't think that they changed their plans to release yeah. this. No, yeah. no, no, no. You're, you're probably right. It's just something to think about, I think. Just my mind wanders. Yeah. Now, another another potential hypothetical. I think so this year is Mario's 35th anniversary and that's kind of why they're saying they're doing this, right? Yeah. Which 35 is kind of an arbitrary. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But next year is Zelda's 35th anniversary. Do you think we'll see something similar there? Culminating in perhaps the release of Breath of the Wild 2? I think we'll get Breath of the Wild 2. I don't think I think that this is. I think that they need. They had these remasters in the works, and 35 was just a good round number to release it on. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. 35 is just such an arbitrary. It, it it's nothing, you know. It's just. It's yeah, it, by that five. does make you think. <laughs> make you think, like, why 35? Well, like, just in terms of timing, right? Five years ago, what, like, they'd be like beginning of Wii U. Yeah, I mean, five years ago, I didn't care about Mario hardly. Yeah. like it was new. Five Super years Mario ago, Bros. Nintendo was kind of in a, at a low point. I think was Mario was Mario Maker five years ago, the first one. It might have been, and I I was super hyped for that. Mario Maker was a Wii U game, right? Yeah, the first one. Yeah, and then Mario Maker Two was on the Switch. Also, yeah. we're gonna get more Mario Maker Two stuff this year. You know, I still haven't played Mario Maker Two. Really? I that's that's oh, something it's, I gotta add to my list. Yeah, it's super good, but it's such a weird game to sit down and play because there's not like a story or anything, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, it's you not, don't really need a story though. Especially I know, but Mario. You can't, like, I don't feel like I'm making progress when I sit down and play Mario Maker Two. I, I, I got really that, into yeah. speedrunning my friend's levels. Like, my friend got popular enough that there were actually a large group of people playing his levels, and so it actually felt good to take the world record in them and keep them. And so I check in every once in a while and uh, take those records back. And that feels like progress to me. Like, that's close yeah. enough that I'm like, oh, I'm getting good at this game. Like, I'm making meaningful progress. But, like, just sitting down and playing endless normal or endless hard, I don't, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. 
Yeah, I, I feel like it's got to be like a certain mood strikes you, right? I feel like playing a Mario Maker level yeah. and seeing what's out there. Community they did created. make a world Similar to Dreams, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I also have trouble sitting down and playing Dreams. It did make a world of difference if they implemented a map system in Mario Maker, like so people could make their own worlds and stuff for you to play through. Yeah. Even if it was like curated, like I didn't make any of these levels, but I put them in order as a world and put a boss at the end. Like, <laughs> That's such a good idea. I feel like it's probably in the works for Mario Maker 3. Yeah, I, I can't imagine they release another Mario Maker without that because people yeah. wanted it on this one. Yeah. And Little Big Planet did it. Yeah. But just going back a little, on the topic of companies changing their plans, gaming companies changing their plans due to the virus and all, uh, I'm sure you guys saw uh, Sony's put two of their games on an indefinite hold, The Last of Us Part Two and Iron Man VR. And I'm sure more games will be announced as the release date comes. Like, I don't think Ghost of Tsushima is coming out this summer anymore. It's probably getting delayed as well. I keep having to be reminded that Iron Man VR even exists. That's a game I should be really excited wow. for, but I keep forgetting about it. Yeah, and impressions for that, that have been really thing. strong. Yeah, yeah, Mike. I was, I, I mean, like, I wasn't shocked when I heard the news. You know, like pretty much the entire world is shutting down. Um, but it it does make you think, right? Like, I think it's only a matter of time before we hear similar announcements from third parties. Uh. I, I mean, Nintendo really doesn't announce things too far in advance, right? So I think they'll just keep quiet and, you know. I mean, they've already announced it's affecting the Animal Crossing update, or, or it could affect and it, the Animal Crossing update. they updates. already announced it, uh, it's affecting uh, Smash. Yeah, right. The development on the, you know, fighter pack has been sort of delayed. So, and that's just what we've heard, right? Who knows what other things behind the scenes have been stalled. You know, you know coronavirus is bad if it can stop soccer, right? Like... Yeah, that's uh, that's saying you, something. You know yeah. it's serious. Yeah, that man's like worked on an IV drip before. Madman. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's gone to the point where I wouldn't be too surprised if we hear uh, PS5 and Xbox Series X are delayed as well. I don't I, think that'll happen. As of now, they're on track. But if we hear the news in the next month or two, I wouldn't be too surprised, honestly. I would be pretty surprised because if if it was going to happen, they would know now. Because like in a lot of places in the world, this has already really come to a head. It's the it's the West where it's really just well, now. The problem is in the West. I I don't want to get it too, too much into this, but like uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is saying with you know some degree of certainty that he thinks that this will come back in the fall, right? So yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Things are definitely in a state of flux right now. Obviously, I would love for the consoles to come out this fall, but, you know, people have to do what's best and what's safe for everyone. Yeah, I'd love for the world to return to some form of normalcy. <laughs> yeah, some semblance of normalcy, yeah. You know what? I'd, I'd ditch the whole console generation for that, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I mean, I think we all would, you know? <laughs> yep. This is a pretty unprecedented uh, time we live in. Yep. But, um... Yeah, just speaking of Sony and Microsoft's uh, next-gen plans, uh, Sony just randomly on a Tuesday, as it seems like they've been doing, has dropped some pretty substantial news. Um, they revealed their controller, and normally I don't think that would be too big of news, right? But like uh, this controller, they're calling it the DualSense, and it marks a significant departure from the previous four generations of controller. I mean, it's not radically different or anything, but definitely marks the biggest departure, in my opinion. I um, think it looks good. 
Yeah, so it's it's got kind of a strange color scheme, right? Like, and I'm sure like there'll be all sorts of colors available later on, but the one they showed at least it was it was like white, black, and blue. And yeah. I wonder if that's like indicative of what the console will look like ultimately. I feel like it has to be. Yeah, I think it must as well. Like you can't sell that with a black console. <laughs> that that wouldn't look yeah. right. Like but you, you know, I will I have one major complaint. I'm going to get the, get that out there quick. Yeah. They put the light bar on the front this time. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. Who who was sitting here and saying, "Man, I wish this bright light would shine in my eyes more often." So, I have a couple of notes on that. So one, the 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 light bar I think is a lot less prominent than it was on the PS4, right? Because like on the back of the PS4 controller, it was like a whole. It was like basically the entire back. Yeah. This it just seems like a, the rim cutout of the touchpad is the light and bar. And I'm guessing that's time. still good enough for PSVR to pick it up. So like, that's another thing. I don't know if it is. Because the and only I'm reason, sure, the only reason to keep the light bar is PSVR. Well, like, I was the going light to go into the fact that. I've seen that a lot of games, mostly first party, but I've seen third parties do it as well, have used that light bar to do different things. Granted, none of it was necessary. All of it was extremely. All of it was but terrible. I hate it was that. like, like uh, if I'm like sitting some, here playing games some games like indicated your health, you know, like turn like redder or whatever. Yeah, but you usually, I mean, I guess they're changing that now, but right now I can't even see it most of the time. And when I can, it's like blinding me because I'm playing games in the dark. And Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure this light won't be excessively bright because that would just be stupid. You know, like people wouldn't be able to see. So it I'm sure seems... it's just like a light LED. It, But I do agree that it, I don't think it's needed unless it's needed for PSVR. Yeah, it's a stupid way to inflate the cost of the controller unless it's for PSVR. And like, well, in that just case, sure. just talking about the cost of the controller, like the guts of this controller seem a little more substantial than we've had before. We've got like the haptic triggers and like yeah, it's Joy-Con level basically. Yeah. you know, I expect this controller to be eighty dollars. Yeah, well, I don't know. Nintendo always seems to charge a premium, but yeah. I don't believe I've uh I was actually having an argument with Jordan about whether or not the Switch was sold at a markup, and uh I'm sure that information's well I don't know Nintendo ninjas and all maybe that isn't available. Yeah, I looked at some teardowns and uh, yeah no I actually this was conclusive like uh we looked at some teardowns and the answer is no there's they don't make money on Joy Cons. Wow. I mean, a lot of that, uh, the HD Rumble, they don't have the patent on that. That actually belongs to another company, so they're losing quite a bit there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I licensing think, that, but... Yeah, I think the most exciting feature for me for this controller are uh, the triggers. And um, I think Xbox is doing the same thing, but like the pressure-sensitive triggers I think are really cool and can add a neat level of immersion to like different kinds of games. Yeah, there was... Um, when the Steam controller first did that, there was, like, a ton of push, like, you know, a soft pull on the trigger is aim down sights, a full pull on the trigger is fire. I don't yeah. think that really works. It never worked for me. I don't have that kind of sensitivity in a fast-paced shooter. Well, at least for this controller, I know they're doing, like, programmable resistivity. Like, That's for cool. instance, like, developers can have the, you know, for, like, the R2 trigger be harder to press down if, like, something's happening, like, you're making a tough choice in the game or something. And That's like, so cool. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I think that has some, like, serious untapped potential for, like, immersive things that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, I mean, that's something Kojima's going to go crazy with. Oh, absolutely. Kojima goes all in on, like, the gimmicks and additions and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Which, incidentally, I don't know if you saw, but Kojima recently said he wants to make, like, the greatest horror game ever made or something like that. Yeah. Which well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he made PT, which was one of the yeah, te- most terrifying experiences I've ever had. Yeah. So, so I think he has it in him. But horror, horror games are complicated art. We should probably do an episode on horror games sometime. Yeah, I would love to. I, I've been getting more into horror games, actually, over the past two or three years. Like, there before, I didn't, so I, I didn't play them at ones. all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you have any more to say about the controller, really? Well, I don't know. I just think just to... I think just to compare it to Xbox, and then, Connor, we can get into your other discussion that you wanted to go into, but... It does look a lot like an Xbox controller. Yeah, like... a lot of people saying that. And that's fine to me. Like, I've heard a lot of complaints that PlayStation controllers are too small for people's hands. Yeah, I I agree. I generally like Xbox's controller better. Uh, I think... And that being said, I think this controller being more shaped like an Xbox controller is a positive. I think that'll make it even better than a DualShock 4. And I was pretty fine with the DualShock 4 because it was much bigger than the DualShock 3. But yeah, I'm um, excited to see, like, I think the controllers are largely similar this time around. And I saw on Twitter that, like, they changed the share button to a create button. Which yeah, is and they were making a big the same thing, probably. Yeah, and then yeah. Xbox responded with, like, just showing off their share button on their Xbox controller, and I thought that was kind of, like, a fun little cheeky interaction. I have never pressed that button on purpose, ever. I, I've pressed it a couple times, but never to share with anyone, just to save clips of my own. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've pressed the one on the Switch a few times, the screenshot button. Yeah. I I don't know. There's a, there is one function totally missing from both of these controllers. Oh, it has a built-in microphone. That's significant. Yeah, that too. So you don't necessarily have to have uh, headphones to like talk to your friends in a party, though you should. You know, like yeah, otherwise and, it's gonna be obnoxious. And what that brings in is, why do controllers not have a dedicated push to talk button in 2020? Like, just put it a, a back paddle or something like somewhere. A push to talk button. I <laughs> yeah. don't want to hear your, you know, I don't, I don't use push to talk a ton on PC specifically because like I live alone in a quiet apartment. Yeah. But, like I don't want to hear your brothers and sisters fighting in the background. I don't want to hear your dog barking. I don't want to hear, you know, like push to talk is not a complicated thing. Yeah, that's kind of a great point. I wonder why that hasn't been implemented yet. And it's just one button. Like, how expensive could that be to add to a controller when you're going to have a dumb light pasted to the front of it? You know? Yeah. And I feel like it can't be added now. Like, it can't just be software patched in because, like, nah, there's no dedicated like, I mean, button for it. You know? Like, yeah, you can't every take button, a button away from a usually game. Usually does something in a game, right? Yeah. So. And it's such an important feature that I hate that games don't have. Especially if you're going to put a mic built into the controller. You know how many kids are going to be in multiplayer games. Without their mic muted. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. dedicated push to talk. Come on. I, yeah. I, I mean, I usually, I, I care so much about push to talk, I usually sacrifice one of my Steam controller buttons <laughs> to it. Like, it's yeah, so I mean, important. There's still so much left unsaid about PS5 and Xbox Series X. Like, I'm sure, I, I don't want to say I have confidence that that feature's in, but like, there's so much we don't know. There's, there's definitely reason to hope that maybe they'd add it this time around. Yeah, and it's something that could theoretically be added in aftermarket controllers. Like, you know, they could literally just mute the mic unless you're pressing a button. But yeah, 
you know, wouldn't have to have any software at all. It could just be a hardware revision. So it could come at any time, but let's hope so, it does. So Connor, you were mentioning uh, before we recorded that you're seeing some, uh, some, uh, some, I guess, console warring, and that's been bothering you lately. You want to yeah. expound on that a little? So I, I followed on a uh, Twitter gave me a topic to follow and I, fell for it, I guess I would say. It it said game developers and publishers. And I was like, oh, I love reading tweets and stuff from <laughs> game developers and or publishers. And so I followed it. That's not what it is. It's all other people talking about game developers and publishers. And so all it's been for the past like two weeks is these just totally uninformed people with hundreds of thousands of retweets and likes talking about the next-gen consoles, how... How, oh, yeah, like Xbox in, you know, sure, their numbers are high, but in practice, they'll never reach those numbers because of the, you know, variable. Uh, um, the PS5's re- variable. Yeah. Uh, vari- yeah, the clock. PS5 has the variable yeah. clock speed and the Xbox Series X doesn't. And the people are saying that because Xbox Series X doesn't have a variable clock, it'll never actually reach the numbers. But when, when in reality, the opposite is true. The Xbox Series X will always reach its numbers, and this, the PS5 will not. And I, I'm not going to sit here in console war, because it, the way I see it, the Series X is going to be the more powerful machine. The PS5 is almost definitely going to have the better games. Yeah, and, that's, and, I'd say that's a fair assessment. And, like, to look at it any other way, you're just uninformed at this point. Like... So, Connor, let me let me shed some light on this for you a little bit. I know since you're primarily a PC gamer that seeing this must be frustrating and you're probably wondering why this is even happening. This happens all the time. Every time there's a new console generation. It's a tale as old as time uh, of fanboys and console warriors just sniping at each other. See, I think I'm just now seeing it because, like... I uh, I just now followed that game developers and publishers thing on Twitter because I don't I'm not huge on social media, but yeah. yeah, it's been brutal. And like I know what you're talking about. Like I remember back in the day, people talked about how um, I, I remember back in the day Xbox 360 days. People on the internet would say Xbox 360 was better than PC because Microsoft could patch their graphics card to be better. Like, I remember, oh, like, that was the kind of uninformed garbage I was seeing back then. But that was, like, back when I was in high school or middle school. Like, Well, there are new high schoolers and middle schoolers to take your place. I know. And apparently they have massive followings on Twitter. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've noticed the the sort of, I guess, influencers and journalists that are associated with uh, video game publishers slash developers are... are a lot of the time, a lot louder than the developers slash publishers themselves, right? So yeah. they uh, they actually have an insane amount of influence, you know. Like if they blow up a game, like it could that could make the difference of it selling like really well or not, you know. Like so, and I don't know how we can fix this if this is, is even is a problem, right? But like that's the way things are, you know. Like the developers it's are mostly a personal problem for me. <laughs> I hate I mean, it. Developers, I think, typically are like heads down. They just get their work done and aren't too, too active on social media or anything like that. But like the journalists and influencers are like hungry for any scrap of news and like anything that like leaks out or anything that 
might not even be true, but like seems and like it, it might be true. Gets like blasted over a megaphone. And that, that that speaks to the bigger disconnect, I think, in the industry that I don't really like. Like, it's not so big in the indie space, but developers are afraid to talk about their games, which means every time a developer does talk about their game in development, like, people latch on to the info like it's gospel. And then if it changes, people get really angry, which leads to developers not wanting to talk about their game. It's like a vicious cycle, kind of. Which sucks, because, like, software inherently changes all the yeah, time. Yeah, it has to. You know? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, Amit and I are both software developers by trade. And, yeah, it, I mean, a product can be totally different by the week sometimes. Like, it's... Yeah, in, yeah. yeah like, and in, in video games are not exempt from that. Video games are software, and... I know it's tough, like especially like in E3 at E3, for example, when you get a vertical slice and it looks like the best thing ever made, and then there's no way the actual game can live up to that. I think that speaks to a larger problem in the industry itself that it, a lot of times it's concerned with how the game looks more so than how the game is. And even unfortunate. another issue is a lot of gamers don't understand fun super well, and I'm not like saying that like from a a holier than thou stance. I mean like. A lot of these features that look really fun in practice aren't. And so the developer just cuts them thinking nobody's going to miss them, you know, because it wasn't fun. Like the playtesters hated it. The developers didn't like working on it. Like, so it just got cut. Like a lot of that stuff happens and gamers don't understand that a lot of the time. They just saw this thing that looked cool and they didn't get it. And so they're angry. Yeah. I, and I do like to think that, I think this problem is getting slightly better, especially yeah. as like there's more transparency with this sort of thing. Like a lot of developers are coming out and saying like these things that like, hey, it's a fluid process. Like we're going to show you every step of the way and stuff like that. There's also but, a lot more people just seeing how hard it is to make a game with tools like Unity and uh, Dreams. Yeah. I think like, that that idea is definitely percolated more through like the social conscience. Like before it'd be like, why can't you do this? Why can't you do why? But like a lot of times, like now people are getting their hands on with these same sort of tools and trying to see how they could do it themselves and realizing, oh, wait, this is like, you know, like a year's worth of effort or more or something like that. Of course, it makes me even angrier when like the gamers are right. Like in the case of Animal Crossing, there's just a bunch of buck wild restrictions for no reason. <laughs> like like you, what you can do in multiplayer and Animal Crossing. Yeah, <laughs> Animal Crossing multiplayer is kind of rough yeah i'm not gonna lie and like just Very the menu, like bad menu design like there's no excuse for bad user interface user interface is a pain to make but it's not technically difficult so like and also i feel like you could there's so many ui slash ux like specialists now you could yeah there's no excuse for someone. how many menus you have to go through to send a letter in new horizons there's just not yeah <laughs> like and there's no excuse for not being able to multi-craft or access your storage while crafting. Like, well, the little stuff that, like, like that. Yeah, you know, there's you, no excuse. No one on the island can be in a menu if someone's coming to your island. Oh, yeah. Just, and like, the fact that you have to watch a cutscene, like, yeah. it's that long as somebody joins the game. Like, having to pause the game for a moment to sync everybody up, sure, y- you got me there, maybe. But, like... Uh, an over a minute long like having to wait for their game to load no you don't need that yeah yesterday actually like my friend he had like um turnips selling for like 450 bells on his island and as soon as he opened the gates it took like 10 plus minutes for us to even move (laughs) 
because like constantly like people were flying in and we had to watch the little cutscenes and stuff like that yeah and, and you know times like that it's even more frustrating to me because that's a time when gamers are right like they see that they call it nonsense and like maybe that will get fixed and then like oh well you know if you can fix it here why don't you fix it there and it's it's very hard from a non-software background to see the stuff yeah. that is crazy and should be fixed and the stuff that's not and even True. from a software background like I don't know what kind of legacy code they're working with in Animal Crossing. I, I, you know, I say if, if they're working with this legacy code that is inherently flawed, they should replace it. But I don't know what kind of, you know, spaghetti is in there. Yeah, I mean, and just going off that hypothetical, you know, like they probably looked at it and considered that option and being like, hey, it's not worth the resources it, it'll take to do that, you know. So yeah, because I'll say these sort of look identical to, to the ones on the Nintendo DS. So I find it incredibly yeah. likely that the Animal Crossing engine has not been replaced since then and has just been updated and brought forward. Yeah. So are you guys ready to get into what you've been playing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I'm ready. Mike, why don't you go first? Um, I've actually been playing, I gotta look at my steam library. (laughs) I've been playing like a variety of games, but I had to, have I talked about planet coaster yet? Uh, I think you talked about planet zoo. Planet I Zoo. talked about Planet yeah. Zoo, okay. Yeah. I'm going to expand on my Planet Zoo by talking about Planet Coaster, because they're they're the same game with different coats of paint, really. One's a zoo game, the other one's not. And That tracks. Yeah. It's very customizable. Like, I've never been so excited to make a king breathe fire out of its mouth. Like, it's so easy just to do something crazy. Like, I made a whole statue in a matter of, like, 20, 30 minutes. So what does that this have to do with roller coasters, though? I just mean, curious. you can do anything. It's just a theme park, right? Yeah, like, it's that's a theme the... park. Okay, I built an yeah, entire yeah. cave around this wor- roller coaster. Like, it was, like, in previous roller coaster games, building any sort of thing underground was super hard. But this just felt intuitive and natural. Like, everything in that game feels really intuitive to build with. And it's just a blast. Yeah, I remember, like, when I was little, I, I lost several days to Roller Coaster Tycoon and really loved those games. And you're saying, like, this is like an evolution of that, right? Yeah, it's... Made by the same people? Yeah, it's... Imagine if you played Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 and there were no technical issues and anything you could build is possible. That's a that's a pretty bold claim. Like they even include like primitive shapes so you could build whatever you want out of them. Wow. So like 3D modeling level building basically. Yeah. That's and that's really there's cool. a mechanic to import 3D models into the game. Jeez. Okay. So they have everything covered. Definitely. I I feel like that's extreme for a theme park. Uh like management game but like that's awesome it that's what roller coaster tycoon evolved into yeah because it transcended theme park management into i'm gonna build the greatest looking theme park possible you saw bits and pieces of that in roller coaster tycoon 3 i have not played any of these games i've had a mild interest in them since i was a kid but i've never played a, a tycoon game yeah i mean i wonder how they'd hold up if i went back like the one distinct memory i have is like all my guests like puking after they went on like my roller coasters and like me having to clean up the puke. 
That's like the I only, that's like the only thing I remember. I did a lot of drowning in Roller Coaster Tycoon 1. A lot of it. It's the most optimal way to run a park. <laughs> optimal? Jeez. <laughs> I ran that... I ran that park like a like the like the USSR. Any political opponents were silenced. All right, Connor, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing an awful game this week called. Um, it was, was free on Epic Game Store. It's I, called I too have an awful game, so so yeah, awesome. <laughs> totally reliable delivery service, I think it's called. And I, I saw that it was free on Epic Games, and I, I pulled it down, and I was like, man, I've never heard of this, I wonder why. And I looked at the trailer, and I was like, oh, this kind of looks like a mix between, like, um, kind of human fall flat crossed with uh, Overcooked, maybe. That sounds fun on paper. Yeah, and I pulled it down, and it's just not um, any good at all. I <laughs> I play, I mean, I got, like, I probably played four hours of it, because I got Gabby uh, to get on and play with me. And it has all these great mechanics, like, just phenomenal. Like, all the vehicles are super fun to drive around, and, like, the physics are wonkier than they should be. Like, it's really easy to get stuck in stuff, which is really annoying. But the actual objectives in the game are just the most boring thing in the world. Like, I expect it to be this chaotic thing where, like, you would have to work together with your teammates and stuff to deliver these packages, like... Maybe you'd have to, like, do a triathlon sort of thing where, like, oh, you have to start in a helicopter and, you know, keep the package in the helicopter and then maybe drop your friend out of the helicopter and they're going to have to land in a boat and drive the boat through a cave to get something. No, it's it's really not. It's 90% of the time it's load the package into your car, drive to the location, take the package out and put it in the box with the occasional helicopter or forklift mission. I didn't find a single mission that required a plane, even though there were planes everywhere and they were super fun to fly. There were like rocket cars all over the place that were super hard to fly, but really fun. And like, I can't even imagine trying to keep a package in them, but not a single mission used them. Like they built this fun sandbox and then slapped a bunch of lazy missions on it. It was terrible. That's lame. And, And even despite that, like because the vehicles are so much fun, me and Gabby played for a couple hours, just like, trying out the different vehicles and like we found an amusement park that literally like the way you control vehicles in this is that there are just joysticks on it and like you, you know how you control your hands in human fall flat yeah like you literally just go up and grab these joysticks and control them that way and there's like a whole amusement park where you could actually drive all the rides so like you could have your friend get on and control the speed and everything and that mm-hmm. was like super that was a super fun idea but there's nothing to do with it you know like you do yeah. it for 30 seconds and it's done so it just really I think it might actually be early access. I couldn't tell. It definitely yeah, I was going like to say like this. This sounds a lot like it's unfinished, but there were not one, but two DLCs for this game. Hilarious. And and I, let me tell you, I got this game for free and had some fun with it. Had I paid $15 for this, it would have been an instant refund. I would. And the idea that you could not only have paid $15 for this game but wanted to spend additional money on it is incredible to me. Yeah. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to roast the devs too hard because like the fundamentals were super, super fun, but this is not a game that like has any place being $15. Yeah. Like, hence, hence you got it for free. So yeah, but it was free on Epic game store. I've got, it is the worst game I've ever seen free on Epic game store by far. Hmm. Interesting. Those are usually fantastic games like Subnautica and like, 
Oh, wow. They gave away Subnautica. <laughs> they gave away Batman. They gave away the entire Batman Arkham series. Yeah. Like, that sounds like, a, you know, the only experience I have with, like, free game giveaways is PlayStation Plus, and they typically have fantastic games as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm surprised yeah. to hear someone giving away games of that caliber. Yeah. The Epic Game Store gives away very good games and also totally reliable delivery service. Right. That said, I would totally, you know, it's still free. And if anybody wants to, you know, jump in and goof around, you will have fun for a little bit. <laughs> like, I, I can almost I mean, I think that's all you game, could. Yeah. yeah, that's all you could ask out of a free game, I think. Yeah, but you will not Temporary have, fun. like, any compulsion to do any of the deliveries. And it doesn't even, like, have a system to take you from delivery to delivery, really. It's like you finish one delivery, and it marks a random one close to you on the map. So, like... I did like two or three forklift driving ones in a row and like it was clearly like it felt like it was teaching me and building up to something. And then suddenly it's like, OK, get in the helicopter and I get in the helicopter and obviously you're getting in a helicopter. The delivery is going to be on the other side of the map because you're flying really fast. I do that yeah. and then I get out and like it just drop it drops the helicopter. It drops the forklift until like, you know, half an hour later or something. I got another forklift mission and suddenly the forklift missions like, clearly I've missed 20 or 30 of them, because this is extremely difficult to do. And, like, it just doesn't... They didn't bother, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Wouldn't recommend you pay for it, but it's free. This game's on consoles, too, which is just incredible to me. You can get this game on the Nintendo Switch. You know, like, the floodgates have really been open for, uh, like, the console digital storefronts. Like, it's no longer the case where, like, you know, shovelware games are only on Steam. They're everywhere now, like PlayStation, Xbox, Switch. Like, See, that's what hurts about this game is it doesn't even feel like shovelware. It feels like the people making it cared and, like, had a good idea and just, like, got all the way to the end and started making content and couldn't do it. And I, I'll be honest, I know how that feels. Like, making content is the hardest part of game development to me. Yeah. But it really, it's not there. That's a shame. All right, so I changed my mind just listening to you talk. So I was originally going to talk about this uh, mobile game I've been playing. Uh, but I don't want to... Maple Story know, M, right? Well, you'll have to wait to find out because I'm not going to talk about it this week. Um, so just incidentally, uh, I've been playing so many more games since this whole pandemic started, right? Because, like, what else is there to do, really? Yeah. But um, so I, I've... You know, like I've dabbled a lot in things I normally wouldn't dabble in, such as these mobile games that I'll talk about at some point in the future. But the game I want to talk about today is Life is Strange 2. Oh, don't spoil anything. I won't I do spoil anything. But I have been playing this game uh, with my sisters. Um, and I'm in uh, I've completed we've completed episode three out of five episodes. Right. So there's two left. And uh, it's about time for the quality to drop. <laughs> Well, let's hope it doesn't, but... Yeah, no, I, I gotta say, like, in my experience. Don't four not, and five are usually... Don't Not is, I think, unmatched at what they do. Like, no one can create a vibe like Don't Nod can. I don't think, so, you know... Is Life is Strange 2 totally different characters from Life is Strange 1? It's it's completely different. Okay. Because I loved Life is Strange 1. Yes, up until yes, the last, I did too. Last bit. Yeah. I mean, Life is Strange 1 still holds, like, extremely high esteem with me. Like... Oh, yeah, I definitely one of my top top games i played undertale and life is strange back to back and that was like 
a very yeah. emotional time for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought you were supposed to be talking about a bad game. No, 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 no. Mike, I changed my mind listening to uh, <laughs> Connor talk. So I'm not. I'm talking about the bad game next week. Are you saying okay. my bad game review was a, a bummer? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I, uh, all I'm saying is that I, I changed my mind, and I'm not quite sure why. Okay. But, um, but yeah, Life is Strange 2, uh, completely new setting, new characters, with some ties to the original, right? So, like, you'll get some satisfaction out of little moments if you played the first one, but if you haven't, no big deal. You can still jump into it. And, um... I mean, what is there to say other than that, like, it's it's got that signature, like, don't nod, melancholic slash nostalgic vibe to it. Yeah. I will, I, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. They have a mastery of that. Like, yeah. I can't I will, even explain it. I will say that I think so far it was stronger in Life is Strange 1, but that is not to take away anything from Life is Strange 2, because I think this game is still fantastic so far. How's and, the, like, vocabulary in it? Because I, I remember... Uh, yeah, hello. Yes. A lot. Life is strange, and like it uh, didn't destroy the game for me. A couple of times, Chloe said, "Be kind." Rewind too many times, and I almost turned the game off. <laughs> yeah. No, it's still got some of that like teenage cringy dialogue. I think it has less. It's almost charming one. most of the time. Yeah. yeah. It's still. I mean, it, it's 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 got some of that in the in here. But what I wanted to, what I'm driving at actually is that. This game, so far, is so much more of a downer than the first one. Really? Yeah, it's a very sad story. Um, That's tough. At least the first three episodes I've gone in, right? And, um... There's one scene in Life is Strange 1 that, like, killed me inside, like... Yeah, and I don't know, like, obviously your mileage will vary how much you attach to these characters and all of that, but, like, to me, I definitely feel like so far this is a much more somber story. And uh, it's set, in, I think, in, like, 2016, and it's not afraid to go some places that are really, you know, like, you know, hot-button political issues. Like, you play as—so I'm not going to spoil too much, Connor. I know how sensitive you are to this, but the protagonists are these brothers— Right, these older brother, younger brother, and uh, they're the sons of immigrants, right? And there's a huge component, like it's 2016, right? So they they're experiencing like these racial tensions and like build the wall and all of this, and like that's just one small part of what feeds into this game. And like the game, basically, from what I can see so far, is the brothers trying to basically escape uh, tragedy and like make their way. In the in 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 this changing world, a world that's changing for the worse, honestly. And uh, I think I think because it goes those places, like it 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 goes into places that the first game wouldn't dare go into. I think like the first game, right? uh, The first one was more of a teen coming of age, like like a lot more mature themes being looked at, more pressing themes, you know, like especially if you're a minority, you know, like. You 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 definitely can relate to some of the things these brothers go through, um, but yeah, I I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the story ends. I hope things get happier at this point because it, it it's tough because like the game does the thing of like the brothers are finally settling into something, they finally think they see a light at the end of the tunnel, and then suddenly the bottom is full, pulled out from under them and they fall even deeper than they were before. Yeah, so like straight out of series of unfortunate events. Like, yeah. 
so and obviously like it has the signature life is strange like one of the brothers i won't say who uh has like powers much like max in the first game uh well the powers aren't like max but yeah. he has powers right i won't say what they are or anything but like him trying to deal with that and keep that secret and like like all these things come together and make make a pretty unforgettable experience so far by my estimation um and uh yeah it's just uh i think it's a worthy sequel so far i think taken as a whole i think it might be because of my insane nostalgia for the first game but i think i prefer the first game still but like again not to take anything away from this game i also think this game is brilliant and obviously, everything could change after I finish the last two episodes. Maybe this game will be significantly better or worse. But yeah, uh, I know, Connor, you're a huge fan of Life is Strange. Like, do you have any desire to check this one out? I do, yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking at how much it is on Steam right now. I got the original for like six bucks. So yeah. I'm hesitant to pay $40 for this one. Yeah, I, I'm sure it'll go on sale. Yeah, I think it's Square Enix, isn't it? So like their games go on sale yeah. constantly. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this story ends. Um, and let's hope it's on a positive note. Yeah. Uh, have you played any more? Uh, no. no. I, I know. Final Fantasy is currently on hold. So many games to play, right? Animal Crossing came out and sort of took over my life. You hit the part, I think, where Final Fantasy 15 kind of takes a downturn. So. I mean, I just reached the first town. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. So no, I, you're still in the very good part of the game. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, all of us can relate to this problem, but yeah, there are so many, many good games, yeah. so many good games to play. Oh, but. I finished Doom Eternal. Um, oh, nice. If I mentioned that. No, uh, last time you talked about it, you were still like uh, playing it, I think. Yeah, fantastic game. Amazing shooter, terrible platformer. All I, all I have to say. I'm probably going to do another playthrough on the hardest difficulty. Nice. Uh which is not something I typically do, but, like, all... I think I mentioned it when I talked about it as a game I've been playing. Like, the Marauder is not a very fun enemy to me, but everything else about that game. Like, there are a couple, like, giant enemies that are super hard, and, like, I was getting super frustrated every time they'd show up. And at no point were those enemies made easier. They just kept throwing enemies, like... They just kept getting bigger enemies, and the smaller ones became, like, normal until the point where like all of them were just you had to just shrug it off because you did not have time to complain about them anymore <laughs> yeah like you you hit that flow and you're just like oh there's a giant enemy i'm just gonna have to shoot a bunch of rockets at it i guess that's that's my only option <laughs> <laughs> yeah doom eternal is another one and like i don't even own it yet and obviously it's on my radar it's just yeah it, it's straight up i can't recommend like doom doom eternal Titanfall 2. As far as first-person shooter campaigns, they're on a totally yeah. different level. Like, I would yeah. say of all the first-person shooter campaigns I've played in my life, those are the only three worth playing. Like, I don't... Like, I'm just not Not super a big Halo it. fan? I, I've been playing the Master Chief Collection, and I just don't care. I really am not enjoying those games. I hate to say it, but... I think at the time, they were pretty big. You know, the campaigns for those games... Because I distinctly yeah. remember in middle school the whole finish the fight thing. There was so much hype around that. Yeah, I know. And I really wish I could have been into it. I, I, I'm going to give them more chances because I should like Halo. I, what's weird is I play Halo and I'm expecting, like, Doom action every time, I guess. Yeah, you're not going to get that in Halo. I, <laughs> for I sure. Don't, yeah. 
And, like, Doom's difficulty is so much better than Halo's difficulty, in my opinion. Halo likes to just, like, crank up enemy health. Like, I don't know. I, I think Doom does, too. It just feels better to shoot an enemy more in Doom than it feels in any other game. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, you know, with that perspective, at least. Like, a lot of people have the nostalgia for Halo, and that puts puts that, you know, much higher. But it's interesting seeing it from your perspective, you know, going through Halo after Doom. Yeah, like, I, I see what Doom did for the first-person... Sh- or see what Halo did for the first-person shooter. I'll obviously also see what Doom did. Yeah. And I think it's important, but I don't enjoy the games very much. I, like, I enjoyed Halo 4, and I'm not enjoying Halo 1. And I think that's blasphemy to a Halo fan. Yeah, I mean... It kind of is, but especially if you feel the same after 2 and 3, I think that's even more... See, I haven't had a chance to play 2 and 3. Yeah. So, but yeah, Doom Eternal, very good. Uh, You know, top 3 first-person shooters I've ever played, easily, campaign-wise. The multiplayer I hear is trash. I haven't even touched it yet, but... Awesome. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can follow us at, at Podcast Game Talk on twitter uh you can join our discord by clicking the link in this in the description of this podcast please like rate and review us on soundcloud apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts uh thank you connor and mike bye guys we'll see you next time bye guys